Hi, thanks, Sandy. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm the other half of Sandy, and we are the co-pastors here at uh, Crossview Rosa Parks. We're glad you're here worshiping with us uh, today. I hope you had a fantastic week, especially those of you who got to go off to school. I hope you had a good start to your school year, teachers, all the administrators, all the kids. Uh, you had a good first week of school. Uh, because we have kids, uh, we decided to try to squeeze out as much fun as we could of the final days of summer vacation. So on this past Wednesday, it was beautiful, decided to go golfing with one of my kids. And we got to hole three, and the person behind us caught up. And uh, so we said, hey, you know, do you want to play through or do you want to play with us? And he said, well, you know, I'm kind of avoiding homework, so I'll play with you. <laughs> So that was great. Uh, about hole six, uh, I said to Mar our new golf partner, I keep slicing the ball. It keeps going to the right. And I'm wondering, like, what is it that causes my ball to go to the right? He said, well, you're probably opening up your hands a little bit. And if you just change your grip like this, then you'll probably hit it straight. Sure enough, I took his advice. I nailed it down the middle of the fairway. It was fantastic especially because it was the longest uh, hole on the course and I needed that extra couple yards. Um, now, you may not be into golf, but if you want to grow in something, if you want to learn, if you want to get better at something, at some point in time, it helps if you have a mentor, right? A teacher, a guide, somebody who can help kind of correct some of the things that maybe you're doing wrong, like a huge slice to the right in my golf game. Well, we're starting a new series uh, this, for this month of September and a little bit into October, October 2, we'll finish this one up, called Go Deeper. And the idea comes out of uh, Luke chapter 5, where the disciples are out fishing. They've been fishing all night long. And Jesus says uh, to the disciples, why don't you go deeper and throw your nets in? And Peter, being this kind of smart aleck, kind of mouthy kind of guy, says to him, Master, we've been fishing, and I kind of imagine this is a little snarky, we've been fishing all night. Don't you realize? But because you say so, we'll go out deeper and throw our nets in. But nothing's going to happen. Well, they threw their nets in, and if you've read the story, you know that they caught such a large amount of fish that their nets began to break. They had to call in for help to get the nets pulled in. It was such a huge catch. And uh, we want to remind you during this series to go deeper. Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. And so we're going to cover a few different things over the course of this series that we think will help you go deeper. We're going to start today in Matthew chapter 28. So if you want to pull out your Bible device, if you want to pull out your Bible, or if you just want to follow along on the screen, uh, that would be fine as well. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be starting in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. All right, whenever you see then at the beginning of uh, a section of scripture, you want to look back. What's been happening before this? So a little bit of context, this is after Jesus has died. This is the end of the book of Matthew. So Jesus has already died. 
Obviously, he's risen again because he's talking to the disciples. And uh, just previous to this, the women had gone to the tomb in order to bring some spices for Jesus' body and sort of take care of his body. This was sort of the, the custom. But there had been an earthquake. So the stone had been rolled away, and the tomb is open when they get there. Now, the text also tells us that the guards at this had freaked out. They had run to the other officials in order to tell them what had happened, and the officials said, let's keep this on the down low. Let's not tell anybody, and if you don't tell anybody, we'll pay you to not tell anybody. So we're going to keep this a secret. Now, there were also angels there when the women arrived, and they said, don't be afraid. Jesus has risen, just as he said. Go tell the disciples and tell them to meet me where we had talked about. So on the way, they meet Jesus. He tells them to meet them on the mountain, and they do so. And then we get to verse uh, 16, which we just read, and let's move on to verse 17. When they saw him, the disciples, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, I think this is probably one of the most important verses that we're going to touch on for some of you today, because you think that faith is about certainty. Well, guess what? It's not. Now, if you think it's about blind faith, it's not that either, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the 11 that are mentioned here are known to us as the apostles. They spent three more than three years following Jesus around, seeing all of these amazing miracles. They heard Jesus say multiple times, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. And yet, we see here that they're still doubting. They had seen Jesus die. They're seeing him alive again, and they're still doubting. So, as I thought about that, doubt and worship are not mutually exclusive. You can doubt and worship God, and most of us do. We have questions. We wrestle with things in our lives. We wonder, is God at work? Can I trust God? Is he at work in our world? We are just like the disciples. We can worship God and doubt, and we can follow God even in the midst of our questions. So, in the midst of their doubt, while they're still worshiping, Jesus says in verse uh, 18, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is great, because if we're doubting, we can trust that Jesus has authority. Jesus is the one who has authority, not us. And the reason that we can doubt is because Jesus is perfect. We don't have to be. Jesus is perfect for us. And Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to die, I'm going to be raised again. And they got to see that. So, like I said, this isn't a blind faith. They've seen things. They've seen evidence for this. They've seen what he, they've heard what he said, they've seen what he's done. And for some of you, today you would say, I need that kind of evidence. And that's okay. And I would say to you, there is lots, there are lots of pieces of evidence out there that we can find that can give us, I think, more certainty about the resurrection and the death of Jesus. If you want a great book to look at, uh, Lee Strobel is a fantastic author. He wrote two different books, one called The Case for Christ, the other one called The Case for Faith. 
both excellent books. Lee Strobel uh, was a person who did not believe in Jesus, the resurrection. He thought it was all a farce. He did some really great uh, research, and his books uh, kind of chronicle that. So if you're a person who kind of needs some of that, certainly dig into that. There are lots of other resources that you can jump into. So not a blind faith, but it is a faith that we have uh, in Jesus. Uh, so because uh, Jesus conquered death, we too can conquer death. We can live eternally with God. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your person who can lead you and, and save you from this world, I want to encourage you today to consider making that a part of your journey. Now, in this passage, Jesus is talking to a group of people who, while ordinary and while on some level doubting, they did overall trust Jesus. They had been following Jesus for about three years, and even their obedience to meet Jesus on this mountain, I think, demonstrated some level of obedience. And worship showed that they desired to follow Jesus. So in verse 19, it says to these men, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So these 11 followers of Jesus were called to go, to go and make disciples. Now, if you are following Jesus, this is a call for you as well, to go and make disciples. And the nice thing is that this whole thing begins with a therefore, and the therefore reminds us that we don't go on our own, we go in Jesus' authority. It reminds us that the previous verse is all about the fact that Jesus has the authority, not us. So we don't do these things on our own power. We don't go and make disciples on our own power. We do it in the name of Jesus. And if you're struggling, this is good news. Jesus is with you. So let's break this down. How do we go deeper? How do we make disciples? How do we go? Well, that first part, that go, is often misconstrued. And we think of that as having to go somewhere, go to, say, a special place, to be, say, a missionary. And really, if you were to look at the Greek in that, it would be better translated, while you are going, or as you go. So for us, as we think about this, as you work, as you play, as you are shopping, as you are hanging out with your friends and your family and the people in your life, as you're doing life, whatever you do, as you're living out your ordinary life, make disciples. That's really what it's saying for us. So whatever you're doing, let's work on making disciples. So what is making disciples? Well, in the Greek, make disciples is really one word, but it has two meanings that we can derive from it, two parts to it, as we think about what it looks like to make disciples. The first part is to be a learner. So we want to learn about, the, about Jesus. We want to learn about the Jesus way. And we do that in a number of ways. Uh, learning theory, uh, using some of my experience uh, with InterVarsity, doing some training, says that we learn, about 10% of our learning comes from reading and studying. So if we apply that to our wanting to be a learner, being a follower of Jesus, we're going to spend 10% of our learning doing things like reading and studying the Bible. That's good news for some of you who really don't like reading. It's only 10%, okay? And you can also listen to the Bible, and I would, you know, 
include that in the 10%, you can do that as well. Uh, and the Bible Project, another great resource, uh, does some videos. So 10% of our time is spent learning and reading and studying uh, what, what we can about Jesus. And we can receive instruction also by coming to church, you know, listening to podcasts and those sorts of things. Now, 20% of our learning happens in community, in relationship with other people. And so thinking about this, this is why we think small groups are a really important piece of our discipleship process. Getting into community, living life alongside other people helps us to grow and to learn about Jesus and about the Jesus way. So 20% is that. And then get this, 70% of our learning comes from the challenges that we face in life. Aren't you excited? <laughs> right? You can go back to reading, yes. Uh, the challenges and experiences that we face are where we spend most of our time learning and growing. And so, again, in our discipleship, as we try to learn the Jesus way, part of what we're doing is we're studying the Bible, and then we're seeing what it says. So, for example, we might read Matthew chapter 25 that talks about the... Um, uh, it talks about taking care of the least of these. And you might think, okay, if I'm going to take care of the least of these, who are the least of these? Okay, if I'm thinking about who the least of these are, what would it look like for me to take care of them? And you might begin to go out into the community and serve. You might begin to help at the food shelf. You might begin to help uh, at the connection shelter. Like You might do some of these things to help some of the least of these. And you're going to grow as you do that, you're going to go deeper in any of these things. If you read your Bible, if you spend time in small group community, if you live out some of the challenges that scripture has, and as you live into the challenges of your own life and try to live out the Jesus way, you're going to grow in your relationship. You're going to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. So part of what I want you to think about is how am I engaging in learning in the Jesus way? What does it look like for me to be a Jesus learner? Am I studying the Jesus way? Am I living in community, in relationship with other people who are trying to live the Jesus way? And am I trying to live the Jesus way out the way that Jesus invites us to live in this world and learn from it? So that's one part of making disciples, is being a learner. The second part of making disciples is to be a teacher. So this is a call for everyone, I remind you. This isn't just a call for people like me who are pastors. This isn't just a call for missionaries. Again, this is as you go about your ordinary life, far be it from me to tell you that your life is ordinary, but hey, as you go about your life, you are called to do this as well. You're called to be a learner and you're called to be a teacher of these things that you're learning. So Jesus talks about this in terms of two things, baptizing and teaching. So baptizing is this idea of initiation. We're initiating people into the family of God. And it helps us to understand that this isn't just supposed to stay here. This is supposed to go out into our community. We invite others in our community to enter into the Jesus way, to learn about Jesus and to hear about Jesus. It's for all nations, Jesus says. So we're inviting all different sorts of people to join in the Jesus way. So we invite others into this. The second part uh, of that Jesus talks about is teaching. So this is sharing what we know with others. Doesn't have to be crazy, uh, not as experts who have everything figured out. In fact, I don't have everything figured out. I can learn from you. Um, we can be fellow teachers as we grow in this. So how do we teach people? Well, we do it sort of in the same ways that we learn. So 10% of it's gonna be doing the Bible, study, doing the reading, those sorts of things. 
And when we receive instruction of some sort, whether we're reading the Bible, whether we're at church, whether we're listening to a podcast, one of the things that can move it from just learning to becoming a teacher is to think about who else might benefit from this knowledge? And who could I share this with? And then you think about community. As we enter into spaces where we get into smaller, smaller groups of community, who else might benefit from being a part of this smaller community that I'm a part of and inviting them into that? And then we think about the challenges uh, that we learn life in. Some of it is sharing our challenges with others. Some of it is inviting people to join us. So if you're going to go down and serve at the soup kitchen or you're going to serve at the connection shelter or something along those lines, who else could come with you in that process? And when we do these things, when we are learners and when we are teachers of these things, we go deeper with Jesus. Our faith is deepened as we follow Jesus. Now, verse 20, Jesus says that we are to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. So this is the what that we're teaching them. And really simply, this is the entirety of Scripture, that we would teach people all about the Jesus way. And at Crossview, can I get the um, ushers to pass out the the guides, because I forgot to put this on a slide today. Um, so I'd like to have you open up the, the guide and look at the picture. At Crossview, we have developed um, a diagram to help us think about what it looks like uh, for us to grow in the Jesus way and to teach the Jesus way. So as we look at that diagram, one of the things you're going to notice, uh, I think it's on page two, is that right? Perfect. So page two in your diagram uh, for those of you online, um, you can check this out uh, on our website, I think. Uh, we'll get to that. Oh, thank you. There you go. Uh, so, yes. So, perfect. So, now they can zoom in on this. See this? Maybe you can see this. I don't know. Uh, so, if you, as you look at this diagram, uh, one of the things you're going to notice is that the center of this is Jesus. Because we want to become like Jesus. That is our goal as followers of Jesus. We want to become more and more like Jesus. So as we learn about Jesus, and as we practice the way of Jesus, and as we teach others about the way of Jesus, we become more like Jesus. And what you'll notice is on the outside, there's kind of some white space. And this would be people who aren't yet in a place where they are following Jesus. Maybe they don't, maybe they've never heard of Jesus, or maybe they're just not interested in Jesus. People start on the outside of that area. And I want to make a note here before I get too far into this. You can never get any closer to Jesus than you already are. That's really important. Jesus says at the end of this section that he will be with us to the end of the age. So Jesus is already near. Jesus is already with you. You can't get any closer to Jesus. You can become more like Jesus. And that's what we're aiming for here, and that's what this diagram is about. So it's not about getting closer to Jesus, because you already all are as close as you'll ever be to Jesus. And we want you to become more like Jesus. Okay, so people on the outside maybe haven't heard of Jesus. Maybe they aren't familiar. Maybe they just don't like Jesus. Once you get to that point where you sort of start to show some interest, maybe you hear about Jesus, then you begin to explore Jesus. And there are a number of ways that you can explore who Jesus is. And we've kind of broken that down into four different areas, as you can see in the diagram. We talk about worship, worshiping God. We talk about the idea of community, being in community with God. We talk about serving God. And then we talk about the idea of being generous with God and with our time and resources. And so these are different ways that we grow in our relationship with Jesus. And we begin, some people begin, by coming to a worship service. 
for the first time. Maybe they come, uh, if you're exploring Jesus, maybe you're coming to worship on, say, Christmas and Easter or something like that. That would be somebody who is exploring Jesus. Maybe some uh, people will enter into exploring who Jesus is through small groups. They'll come to a small group and they'll start to sort of see uh, what that looks like. I know other people will come uh, via serving. They'll start to serve somewhere and that will be their introduction uh, or or exploration phase uh, of checking out Jesus. And then I can't imagine there's a lot of people, but maybe a few people would start by giving. Uh, That could be possible. You never know. I mean, everybody's spiritual journey is different. Um, So you can see as you move in closer and closer to Jesus, you're going to be seeing more and more different things that look like Jesus. Probably attending church more, probably getting more and more involved with a small group. Part of what's happening in a small group is that you're beginning to show uh, more and more authenticity and you're beginning to share more and more of your life. So vulnerability increases as we move more and more to the center of Jesus and become like Jesus. You see that final ring in there of uh, discipling. um, And the key thing that changes when we move from following to discipling is we really become that person who is investing in others, who's teaching others the things that we're learning about Jesus. So that's part of what we want to encourage each other to do. And as you think about your own spiritual life, we want to help you think about what would be a next step for me to take spiritually. And it could get overwhelming if you think about all the different things that are listed here. So one of the things that we encourage you to do is to pick one. One thing. What's one thing? Maybe you need to spend some time praying, asking God, what's the one thing that I need to do to grow, to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus? There's a bunch of different ideas that are listed in this. Pick one of them. And then who is somebody that you admire, that you see that's really doing that well? And could you ask them, could you help me? You seem to be doing this really well. Could you teach me how to do what you're doing? And in that way, we begin to teach one another how to become more and more like Jesus. We begin to make disciples. We're living out. This is known as the great commission of the church. This is our calling as a church, that we would make disciples. We would help people learn about Jesus and teach other people about Jesus. Because God is love. And there's just not enough people in this world that know how much God loves them, including some of us here today. And we need that help. We need others to come alongside of us and help us to grow, to hear about how much God loves them. So pick one area for you to grow in. Find somebody that can mentor you, that can disciple you and help you grow. And then if you're a person who would say, man, I've been following Jesus for a long time and I've never thought about how I can invest in somebody else. Maybe you need some help in discipling others. A couple weeks ago, we did our vision and volunteer training. We actually did a training on how to disciple people. We did the 101 version. There's a 201 version. Maybe you want to talk to Sandy and me and we could help you out. Think about the second level of that and we can help you become a discipler because part of what we want to do is empower more and more of you to bring God's message of love into people's lives and to help people to go deeper in their relationship with Jesus. So, I was talking to a friend this week, and he was telling me about his trip up north to the northern Minnesota lakes, and he was going fishing for a whole week. And he's been fishing before, but he hadn't done a couple different kinds of fishing. One is he hadn't done some musky fishing, and the other is he had never done kind of fishing without using real live bait. 
So what he did is he found a couple guides. And because he found a couple guides, he ended up catching a 41-inch muskie and a 27-inch walleye. Now, I'm not a fisher person, or at least I'm not very good at it, but if you're not, that's huge, okay? And I think as we think about our faith, we, we don't want to leave it just to, hey, I'm just going to go fishing. I'm just going to try to grow in my faith. We want to find people that can help us, that can mentor us. Just as my friend and my golf game, I found, we found mentors to help us to grow in our spiritual lives. We found disciples, disciplers, who would help us to grow in our game. And I want you to find a discipler to help you grow in your faith. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks that you called the disciples yay many years ago to go deeper. And that you're still calling us today, your disciples, to go deeper. Help us to help one another in our relationship with you and with one another. Help us to learn the Jesus way. Help us to teach others the Jesus way. And we, may we be a church that learns and teaches the Jesus way. Amen.